0: Oh man! So this is the About Violence podcast. This is a new episode and an exciting one. It is uh, maybe not in the vein of doing violence like we often talk about. Um, this is more about building and growing and uh, sustaining, which yeah, you can't have one without the other. Not that I'm gonna all yin yang on you. Um you know, have you ever looked at like how the yin yang is like this weird 69? But that, that's a different thing. Um, you know, you, you can't have life without death, and uh, you know, li- being here in Texas. Obviously, I'm a, I'm a hunter. I um, I fancy myself a conservationist, and I'm with two amazing Americans that and patriots that um, you know have a, a pretty cool ride thing going. Uh, we first met nowhere near the vein of what we're doing right now, <laughs> but um, but like all things, stars align, and h- here we are. So, tell us who you are
1: and what the hell do you do? Well, my name is Ross Bennett, uh, and sitting to the right of me is uh, one of our co-founders, Chris Webb, and uh, we are a company called Cannon Republic, and, uh, you know, in a nutshell, we feed your animals, we feed your soil, and we kind of help clean and feed your water. And we started, you know, really with animal feeds, and uh, really building an overall optimal healthy herd that people can,
0: you know, then harvest, and in turn, eat. Yeah. So, um... I hate preying upon fear, but are you tracking what's happening to American food right now? It's shocking. It's shocking. 1,900 food production companies in the past year have been destroyed. The two largest egg manufacturers in the United States have burnt down in the past 36 hours. We've had two planes smash into meat processing centers. And uh, the only commonality amongst all of them are these two things. They make food for Americans. And it's on American land. Um, 80% of our meat comes from overseas. And uh, for a very, very long time, the vast majority of our farmland has been continuously being destroyed or purchased by not Americans or American companies. So I'm, I'm a huge believer in when I say made in America for meat, I'm talking it was born here. It was raised here. And it was harvested here. And um, for that to be done properly, you have to have real food, you have to have enough land, and you have to have people that care about those animals. Um, So even though this is the About Violence podcast, like there is no way that you can not be alarmed or concerned about food in the United States. Um, So you founded this company. What do you guys do? Well... Chris what, what, a, what a great radio voice too by the way you got like this
2: oh I appreciate it listen you I, talk about paint drying on the wall well hopefully today's a little better than that but we'll see I uh I, I'm a passionate outdoorsman like yourself and you know proud to be so I uh, I'm fortunate enough to raise registered beef master cattle as well and, and some wagyu on the sides and and uh, we raise heritage hogs on the farm, and I'm all about knowing where your food comes from. Yeah, um, I'm fortunate to have a wife that has a big, beautiful garden, and so everything that she grows is hand-in-hand hand with everything that we hunt and things of that nature. Um, the The feed business that we chased... Is really kind of the animal side of the same problem that you're seeing now uh, on the human side, right? It's, you know, the largest feed manufacturers in the country are all making feed based on commodity pricing, what's available, what's yeah. cheapest, right? And and that's not necessarily what's the best uh, no, don't, don't
0: say not necessarily because <laughs> th- they are recalling tons of feed right now for chickens because chickens stopped laying eggs. Oh, yeah. You want to know why a freaking egg costs more than a 338 Lapua bullet? It's not only are the chicken manufacturing and chicken production companies burning to the ground, and they're now being offsourced to out-of-state or out-of-country companies, but the chickens themselves are laying fewer and fewer eggs, and it is a feed issue, and it's because of the lack
2: of quality of feed that they're feeding these chickens. Oh sure, they freaking assholes. Uh, the the I'll ingredients, my... <laughs> just like with other things for people or other animals, whatever whatever it may be, right? Quality of ingredient is key. What 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 makes any good food good, right? It's not that it has a thousand ingredients. It's that those one two three ingredients are used to perfection. Yeah, right. You know why is French bread the best, right? Good water, good yeast, good flour. That's it. That's all that's in it, right? But you can't replicate it in other places. So here in the United States, when you talk about wildlife especially in Texas right it has become very fragmented wildlife cannot travel to receive the nutrients that they used to have it's the same concept that you see in commercial feeding right instead of creating the feed that that animal needs they will do the minimum the bare minimum necessity for survival Right, and that is the survival polar and opposite for survival and growth. Yep. But growth that is not necessarily healthy growth of the animal, yep. growth for the end product that humans see as the benefit of yep. the animal.
0: The right? the look and the weight is it's wild when when you start getting into okay what are these large um, I'll say manufacturers of meat that I think that's the fitting word. So you know they want a meat that looks palatable. And um, by the time it's sitting in there, you know, when it's ground, you're seeing dyes, you're seeing all sorts of wild things that mm. should never be in there. And it's all a variety of meats. Um, but, you know, they're 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 selling it by ounce. And so they need these animals to live long enough to get big enough where when they harvest them, they can sell them and make a good profit. That's that's really like the, the they don't care about the health. They don't of the person that's eating it. They don't care about the health of the animal that's eating the feed. They just care about the bottom line. But and that's that's a a
2: systemic system problem there as well, though. Right. So you mentioned earlier, the United States imports a bunch of beef, right? United States is a net importer by volume of beef. But the United States is also a net exporter of high quality beef. Right. So we grow the world's high end beef. And the the reason that it's shipped out China and Brazil don't. No oh, the, the the highest quality oh, cuts in the world yeah okay <laughs> but I but, saying, but their volume but I'm like joking. but, but <laughs> what's funny is the volume right is like you know Americans would rather eat low grade ground beef in high volume than high grade high grade cuts in low volume yeah. right and and so that is now changing with this newfound train of following regenerative agriculture, knowing where your food comes from. And you're seeing, you know, big providers that are starting to try to go that direction. Right. And yep. and the problem is it's not very easily done.
0: Yeah. I, I, I remember in the eighties the and the nineties, you would never see USDA prime Wagyu, you know, you wouldn't see like aged. Now you can walk into an H-E-B and people are, people are know now, you know, Hey, where's this from? You know, was this aged? Is this prime? Uh, you know, knowing the difference of not just what the cuts are, but what kind of meat it is. Mm-hmm. And um, that that was never, that never existed in my childhood. And I and I, I'm, I am seeing a trend as well where people are leaning towards not just regenerative farming or regenerative agriculture, but they're demanding that their food be, you know, like there was a trend of this organic or free range or, and then people started pulling back the curtains and, and the smoke in the mirrors, realizing that those were just trade words and not truths. Exactly. Now people are getting to the truths. They've been marketed to long enough and they want real food. Um, so how, how how do you guys go about with the quality of your food, ensuring that
2: this is good? So we focused primarily, right? The first feed that we brought to market was called uh, Texas deer blend. And we have a low copper version of the same thing for other exotics that cannot have copper. We'll get there in a little bit. Texas Deer Blend was the first one we brought to the table. Why? For the simple reason that whitetail deer are not regulated to the way that other animals that you are feeding are regulated, right? If it's commercial livestock or pets or things of that nature, right? And so we've got a nutritionist who's been in the business for over 40 years, and we tasked him with making a feed that was ideal for optimal nutrition of the whole herd, right? Most feed is manufactured with a thought in mind, like you mentioned earlier, growth, right? Marketability, the end meat product. Our Is manufactured for the overall health and nutrition of the animals because, as much as we like to harvest a mature animal for consumption, right, the idea is to grow the herd by having a recurring healthy fawn crop. That's that's not done by only fostering growth of animals and traits that hunters usually choose, right? It's fostering traits, especially maternal traits, right? You need mothers that are going to be good carriers, good deliverers, good raisers of fawns, and it translates into commercial agriculture as well right most poultry that is commercially produced in the United States can't breed, right? I mean, they, they breed them young, but once yeah. they get to maturity, they're out of a size and dimension that they can't naturally breed, right? So, when we started looking at whitetail herds in Texas, predominantly Texas, that's where we're from, and started. Well, Texas right? whitetail are just fine. Oh. That's right. We do. And, have, heard, and people obviously feed, you know, most grain comes from the north to the south, right? So, feed is manufactured regionally, and most people buy their feed made within a 50 to 100 mile radius. Well, Whitetail are very finicky animals, and the feed that is currently commercially available is full of variables, meaning week to week, month to month, as commodity prices change, what is in the end product changes. And they're manufacturing feed in these giant manufacturing facilities that can't turn off, right? So they manufacture feed, stockpile feed, and have it to be shipped out through their distribution networks, right? Well, we designed a feed that is based on Actual nutrition of the animal and not just caloric ingredients, but specifically the non-caloric ingredients, right? The trace minerals and nutrients that animals used to travel, you know, 10s, 20s, fifty, hundred 100 miles to get to natural mineral licks that they can't travel to anymore. So paired with that, we have a patented probiotic and digestive enzyme that's able to make it through the heat and pressure of the pelletization process into a deer feed. That matters because as opposed to other people that are trying to feed you as much feed as you are willing to spend money on, our goal is to put a feed in front of your animals that allows them to get more nutrition out of their brows, their forage, their natural cover that they're eating. So by eating our feed, they do fantastic, but they're able to get more out of the rest of their brows, lowering their overall feed intake over time um it 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 has been for instance now you know look outside right now in austin texas you have freezing ice everywhere right these winter storms was supposed to be once in a decade and now i mean i think it's pretty safe to say at least us ranchers believe it's happening every year we're planning for it every single year right we know people that used to lose whitetail fawns black buck fawns every year of the winter during this time right and the problem with that is that it's usually tied to nutrition. Everybody blames it on wind breaks and they're not used to the temperature swings. We have clients that had no deaths in the freeze that happened back in December. That was shockingly early in the season, right? And we can only speak to things that we watch happen, but all of our clients have been more than than willing to share the data of the successes that they've had. Granted, we are more expensive than the competition, But that's because we don't cut any corners, right? Our feed comes in a blank white bag. And that's because it is cheaper than printing some beautiful image on the bag for the human client to see. I'd rather put that value into the feed for the animal, right? And and doing that perpetuates our plan that says, look, for every dollar that you're going to pay to feed your herd – Right, we're going to guarantee that that's going into your herd in the best way possible. Right? The reason that certain companies market feed that are over 16% protein is because that protein ingredient is the cheapest filler they can put mm-hmm. into the feed. Right? Point and simple. Right? There are companies out there that will make you a custom feed. Right? Custom feeds a fantastic thing, but what they do is they will subtract the ingredients they think you don't need right, to save some money in the long run. Right. Our whole herd health ideal is to provide a nutrient pack that will cover all of the animals anywhere in the state. Everyone's got a forage on top. Right. And so that has been the crucial change between what we play with and what others play with.
0: Yeah. The. Um, and, and. In California, where I grew up, th- there were not deer ranches. You know, where you um, you're breeding, you're colling, you're setting up. You know, stock. You're, lo- you're looking five, six generations down, um, and planning. You know, what's going to change from you know your trophy deers that people are paying five thousand dollars for to twenty thousand dollars for, and you know that's four or five generations away if you do it right. Um, so when I first got here, I was like, "What is this voodoo? You know, like <laughs> what is going on?" Oh, it's on?
2: completely different.
0: Yeah, okay, hundred percent. And and I kind of had a really hard time from my high tower you know i got my monocle and my bow tie and my little judge judging eyes on here looking at your deer stands you know and looking at these clear-cut hunting lanes um you know where the feeders are like 100 or 200 meters away i'm like this is a bunch of malarkey um but having been here now a while and learning and appreciating um and one of my biggest pet, pet peeves just a, a side little rant is when people relocate but they never try to assimilate you know, as, as we have oh, sure. so many people that are moving here and um, and they're throwing stones at at things the way that we do things here in Texas, but they've not once tried to understand how or why, you know, try to walk a, a mile in our boots or anything. Um, and I, I was guilty of that when I first got here. And, um, and I love, love hunting in Texas. I love that there's not a lot of public land. Mm-hmm. I love that um, I get to make a relationship with a ranch owner and, or, you know, pay for a lease or, you know, wh- whatever your route is to finding a, a place and a region to hunt. Because um, what it's done is it's made it really intimate. It's made it like a really personal thing where I know somebody that owns this place and that guy loves his land. Um, and in like this era of Yellowstone, uh, have you seen the... the the prequel to it. It's like
2: 1863.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Sam Elliott, man. But what, what you learn really, really clear and intimately in that is how much they love this land. um, And how much a land owner would do anything for his land. And um, the animals on it are part of the land and that's that's this thing that that there's this moment this part this this delta this departure of um, people looking at you know your hat and listening to your accent and not understanding how passionate we about conservation and about the health of these herds and uh, what we're going to do to try to make sure that this is going to be going to you know that my kids and my kids kids and my kids 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 are going to be able to continue to do this because it's the best and most rewarding life there is
2: oh without without a doubt i mean environmental stewardship and conservation is is the main reason why our company exists, right? I mean, I I grew up focused solely on how to improve the outdoors, right? I mean, I studied geology and environmental science in my former, you know, actual collegiate years, right? I mean, I got a master's in natural resource and environmental law, um, I was focused on the, the value of the non-use of natural resources, especially when you look at oil and gas development in the United States. And, you know, my my late father's retirement hobby was a group called the Wildlife Habitat Federation that had, restores native land to native grass, specifically for bobwhite quail. And I grew up as, you know, free child labor, and I loved it. And I got to learn from these incredible people that taught me the importance of soil health, yeah. right? Soil health is the number one key thing that if anyone's going to take away from this podcast is that soil health is what drives the way that we can all get back to knowing where our food comes from Mm -hmm. right the reason that we cannot walk outside and and create the food that we need in most places is because the soil cannot support it anymore right and that's
0: because we because we have destroyed it because we have destroyed it you
1: know back to something that you were talking about you know about texas and coming here You know, the name in the state, Texas, means friend. And it being privately owned, you know, and building those intimate relationships as a friend is a sign of respect to this state. And, you know, a lot of our business has an early success with big ranches and clients in Texas has been through the relationships that we've all fostered through our earlier years of being here, right? And understanding that they're having to look at these situations in their own business mindset right it's it's been really fun to kind of i guess catch the wave at the right time in terms of where people are starting to realize i i care about what i eat and if i can change even my my hobbies from archery right the archery swing now is getting huge because it's the it's the one with god it's being in the land versus in a box right it's it's the conservation primitive side of where a lot of people are going. And I think that's why, you know, we wanted to talk a little bit about corn too, right? Corn is a great attractant. It's a candy, but it, it, from a health standpoint, just like in humans, it's not good. No. So our feed it's funny to watch when they're on a mineral deficiency, these animals, and when they see our feed for the first time, they come running. Why? Because, they're lacking those nutrients in the feeds they're currently getting to eat,
0: right? Yeah. It's it's fascinating. Have you been out to Rome Ranch? You know who they are down in Fredericksburg? I know who they are. Yeah. I have not been there yet. Um, <laughs> D- Doug and I, we, we've killed some bison down there. Actually, that, that bison on the other side of that wall with that big, huge hole in the the, the, oh, yeah. the, the French kiss, <laughs> um, the chef's kiss where you, know, you save every ounce of meat that you can by pumping them in the face. Um, when they first got there, they couldn't. They couldn't go grow any grass in their soil. Mm-hmm. It, it had been it had you know essentially soil had been been bleached. You know by the, by the time you use all the pesticides and you're you're putting in all the minerals and and all of the ingredients that whatever you're growing in there it needs after
2: you've stripped your whole entire field. And remember, most synthetic. Fertilizers are, are a salt version of that fertilizer because it's cheaper, yep. right? So by definition, by applying all of those fertilizer, you're right? Salt your your level, you're salt Fleet. in your fields. You're yeah. salt in your fields. Like
0: when I go scorched earth and salt the fields, you know, we're, we're talking about destroying a place so that nobody can ever grow there or anything again. And we mm-hmm. did that to ourselves. That's right. Mm-hmm. We did that to our own land. And um, watching them and, you know, like a little, little nod to them because they're great and they're, they're preaching and, and espousing the same things that we are Um you know, their whole entire goal is to as as effectively as they can from every rooftop and every loudspeaker they can get behind talk about this re- regenerative farming and re- regenerative agriculture. And seeing the transformation of the land that they are on, it has been because I, I think I went there year one and now you know what 10 eight, eight, eight to ten years later, it is this I mean it looks like the plains of our forefathers. You know, like just this rich a, a color of grass that I hadn't seen in my life in a long time that is just gr- growing naturally and organically. And watching these bison herds, you know, roam and walk through there is, uh, it's like some of the, my, my favorite times in my life is getting to go down there when they need, when they need a shooter for a harvest. And um, speaking of, Robbie, bring my meat. You hear me? And I love you.
2: It's a it's a it's a self-perpetuating wheel after you put in five to ten years. Right. Because once you're able to rehabilitate the soil and bring back that soil health and mainly increase organic matter into the soil. Right. So water. Right. Source of life. If you have for every one percent of organic matter, you increase your soils. You will retain twenty five thousand gallons of water per acre well right and a rainfall yeah. so if you're able to host that water in your root zone you're able to provide those nutrients in a way that hard-packed deteriorated soils aren't able yeah. to see
0: you know California's in in
2: the worst drought ever um, in recorded history except for when uh the skies cried while uh, my tcu horn frogs got a uh, little bit smacked yeah the um and we just had a ton
0: of rainfall over the past the the past month. And um, watching that state scramble to try and understand how they're not retaining any of the water, how all of it's just been running off and, and everything's flooding. Um, and I'm just sitting here, like, scratch my head at the idiots that are the legislators of the state. Because, we I mean, we know the cause is because they have ruined their, their There's state. There's no grass. There's nothing. Well, There's no, no grass. Well,
2: not even grass. There's no... There's no pervy, everything's impervious cover. I mean, yeah, even even the Los Angeles River is concrete line, uh, right? It's, it's, I mean, but I mean,
0: even the fields, they have nothing that will hold moisture anymore. That's right. Everything, I mean, even in, in the valley, it's, it's a dust bowl during the summer. And then when it finally rained and they had just been begging and pleading for rain to come. And when rain finally came, there was nothing to hold the water. Mm. And all of it just went out. And um, yeah. so, you know, they're in, in no better of a situation than they were... They, they, they got more rain in the past month than they have in the past 10 years. Wow. Yeah. That's and wow. they have none of it. They're in the same position that they were in
2: six years ago. Yeah, it's all in the ocean. They couldn't grab a hold of it fast enough. Yeah.
0: And a bunch of their soil, too, which washed away. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's... The, the benefit that. is not, you know, if, if you, as a single individual citizen looking at a beautiful deer in front of me. I'm like, yeah. This thing's eating well. You know? And then you take a step back and you're like, man, this land looks good. You know, then you take a step back and you're like, this community is doing great as the soil is rich. The herds are healthy. You know, the people are well fed. And then you take a step back. Like, and every time that you step back, when the individual down all the way down to the single person feeding their herd is doing the right thing, the ripple, the second and third order effects are so, it's cascadingly powerful. And it, it is so infuriating because I believe in individual responsibility. I believe in freedom. You know, I'm a constitutionalist. I'm a libertarian. You know, I'm like, I'm like, hey, you, you know, you do you, as long as what you do doesn't affect me. Mm-hmm. You know, but this is affecting us when people aren't doing the right thing individually and doing the right thing for their land, doing the right thing for their herds, doing the right thing for the people. And we've never been fatter. We've never been more broken. We've never been more sick. You know, you want, you want, uh, you know, why people died from COVID? They were sick. Mm-hmm. They were unhealthy people. You know, I was walking around trying to take bong hits off people that had COVID, so I could finally just get it naturally. You know, and I couldn't get it. Like that's how ridiculous it was. I remember
1: watching that; you would be like, "Nope, nope." When I say
0: taking bong up. hits, I was like, "Let me put a pipe in your mouth, and I need to take some deep hits off <laughs> you." Still couldn't get it. I need it. the vid. I need it. I need it. I Give never me that got natural it. Natural
2: immunity. I, I never got it. It's no, so there's,
0: funny. you know, and there's, there's, it's not curious why, you know. Healthy people make healthy people. And um, mm. and when I look at the people right now that are talking to us about health, these obese, fat, clueless politicians, I'm like, I'm not going to listen to you about how I'm supposed to be. Look at you, you know, you're insane, and you're profiting off of what you're talking about. Um, so Dude, they're 3D but, printing meat. Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean like, and, what's and going on? There's right? so
2: many people that are out there that are that are pitching how it should be done right there's not a lot of people out there that are saying this is how it should be done this look here this is how we're doing it it works we're here to help right and like we're here to help every american farmer and rancher and land producer and anybody that's out there whether you feed livestock or whitetail or not right the idea is the sad truth in texas is most people that love the outdoors that live in texas either spend time on land they own Or they spend time on land somebody else's own that they pay for to spend time out there, right? But somewhere in that chain, whether it's the landowner, which are now more detached than they've ever been, right? You talked about, you know, the 1880-whatever show leading to Yellowstone and how attached people were, and that's how us current landowners still feel, right? But there's a lot of people that have leased it out for generations, whether to farmers or hunters, depending on where, Texas, and things of that nature – And to bridge the gap that has created now is people saying, okay, look, we want to know how all this stuff can be connected to our betterment. And the way to do that is by showing them that there is a way now that the bottom line supports it, that we can be more responsible in our approach to commercial agriculture, to commercial livestock production, right? And the way that we were able to enact change instead of talk about how it could change was by going after people and their whitetail and the reason why is who's more passionate than a whitetail hunter right whether they own the land or not crazy (laughs) here's what's crazy about texas whether you own the land and you own the animals you only get to hunt whitetail during whitetail season right so if you own those deer or you don't right? You are invested all year long in watching those animals. Yep. Nobody knows the health and wellness of whitetail deer better than whitetail deer hunters, oh, period, right? And so we have provided them with a way to help their deer grow. We have an incredible diversity of clients across the entire state of Texas and in other states now that are so passionate, that's what makes it fun to sell them deer feed, right? Our, we have taken all the advantages that we Proved with our deer feed and have now folded that into a premix for commercial cattle. Yeah. Right. So now we're able to help people and start enacting change in other levels. But really, we had to have a first success somewhere. Yeah.
0: Doug, will you pull up? Um, just just hit. Google. I hate Google, but we'll duck, duck, go, whatever. Um, U.S. government health officials and then click on images. I'm just <laughs> I'm just curious. I just want to scratch this itch as we're sitting here talking. Got it? There we go. Here. Yeah, Rachel Levine. What, what is her job? Go up to Rachel Levine right there. Yeah. Dr. Levine. Highest ranking. I know, but she she's like the secretary of health or something. Mm. Sure, academically, she's perfectly educated to talk to people about health. Yeah, this is um scary. We got we got a scary few years ahead of us. How how do you think it's all going to shake out? So one, I think we have some more sickness ahead of us. We're even though there there's a trend of people caring more about what they eat, currently it's cost prohibitive for and almost culturally Primitive for lower socioeconomic demographics to have access to healthy food you know uh, you can walk into a Walmart in a cheap area of town and uh there's no prime you know there's no I
1: live in Pearsall I mean you know where I live it's it's a poor town yeah it's it's gonna be
0: well you got Dollar General down there I
1: do yeah got a Walmart too but you know it's it there's no Whole Foods no, and that's one thing. Is reason why we grow our own vegetables and hunt all of our own food because there's not enough healthy. There's five restaurants. They're all Mexican in town, and I'm not, I don't don't hate on Mexican food. I love my tacos and enchiladas, but there's no salad. Yeah, I can't get you know you
2: got cilantro and onions. I can't get like a decent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, we have the same problem. I, mean, I live in a small town too. I mean, we have, we have the same problem. Yeah. But yeah, you mentioned Whole Foods. Did you see all 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 these? Bomb articles coming out about Whole Foods right yeah. now about all their all their food coming out of China and they can't certify any of it. Yeah, there none of it really was organic. It's a third party yeah. certifier.
0: Yeah, that was uh, paid. Um, so yeah the the meat at I, I use the Whole Foods as like the label of what people think is healthy. Correct, which it's not. You know, um, I don't think even from Sprouts to Central Markets. Um, You know, you as the individual and the consumer are the one that is going to have to determine what goes into your body because they're always going to try to make a buck off you. That's it. You know, and nobody's going to do anything besides try to profit off you. Well, and every major city has multiple farmers markets these days. Right.
1: And and, and if you live in a community area like a suburbs of Austin and Cedar Park, Round Rock, even Austin. You know, encourage your family to go to a farmer's market and meet one of those ranchers. Then you know you're getting good beef yeah. and good chicken, and and there's not going to be an egg shortage at a farmer's market. I there's, promise you. There's like, a very not.
2: easy way to get good quality protein in Texas. There are so many livestock producers. I mean, cattle, beef, sure, pork, chicken— anything you can imagine around all the Metroplexes and most of them, if they have any interest to sell some of it, you know, you can look them up on any type of social media. Now it's shocking, right? I mean, we, you know, I, I raised Waggoos for, it started out for personal consumption and then, you know, you have a buddy and another buddy and other people that are like, well, I want some of that and I want some of that. And next thing you know, now you're, you know, breeding them and selling them by the halves. But it's fantastic because when they live in Houston, they can say, oh, you know, you know where my beef came from? It came from 60 miles that way. Yeah. Right. And they can come and they could see it and it's well fed. I could tell them exactly what's in it and exactly how it's fed. Right. And it's it was started out of a passion for my own enjoyment. And it's not that hard. I know people. I mean, the, the, the processor that I have my steers processed at, you can go and buy meat from them. Right. I mean, nominal pricing. Better than any meat market you're going to go to and find better quality in Austin, meat. People don't know they just. You can don't go to know.
0: the farmers market in Round Rock. Yep. You can go to the farmers market at Lakeline Mall in North Austin. Um, you can go to the farmers market downtown Austin. Mm-hmm. You can go to the farmers market in um, Fluterville. You can go. To, I mean, there. I, I could think of six different the farmers. triangle. Yeah. Uh, the the mall in Westlake. i was about to say Westlake. Um, I, one. I mean,
1: there's. I mean, there's ten that and I know of in Austin.
0: So you are going to. Pay less, hundred percent, and the the food is real. It's just real, and you're like, hey, shop local.
2: Yeah, I oh mean, yeah, and your money's you sure? going to directly the right to, place
0: directly exactly. to, yeah, you know, and uh, that that is the hardest thing that is the intentional, and I I really do think it's intentional. There is a barrier between the consumer and the farmer. And the people that are profiteering off of that are in the space between those two. You know, those are the corporations, they are the feed manufacturers, they are the large international companies that are importing tons of China meat. Um, Oh yeah, you're finally gonna switch off that Google? Yes, it's it's so much better, it's so much better. Mm Have you used DuckDuckGo? I have not. But oh, this, I, will I, ha- I have heard yeah, of it. It's, it is the preferred search engine. Um, it just it's transparent, so it tells you um, if somebody's advertising, if somebody's promoting, if somebody's doing a search optimization. So like they're paying for their search to be above. Um, and then the best part about it is you don't have somebody in Silicon Valley that will prohibit you to search something. So if you're mm. um, Let's say we're in like the 2016 election era, and you're like Hunter Biden's laptop on Google. We know for a fact that that was suppressed, right? We know that Google suppressed it. We know Facebook suppressed it. All the documents now. The FBI um, was colluding with ensuring that it was suppressed. Uh, if you, and if you tried to Google it, it wouldn't populate. You know, like right now, this is uh, you know, seem things are changing so quick. Or here's a bunch of baloney articles, but the you know, the, like the New York Post article about it never could come up. You couldn't share it on Twitter. You couldn't share it. Did you see Elon Musk release that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Elon Musk showed that Twitter, if you tried to share that article, Twitter would kill your post. They would just kill it. Um, so off of principle, I want uh, to not use that other search engine. I won't even speak their name, um, you know, because they are just trying to meddle in politics and shame on them for not letting... Thinking that they know better, I'm curious. We should just, like, do some random, like, if we searched on DuckDuckGo, um, like, healthy food versus Google healthy food, healthy meat sources. Um, oh, that's in, a good one. Imports for, did you see the new U.S. government recommendations of the food
2: pyramid? Oh, that is just you didn't Laughable. See this? Oh, do, no, do, I saw. Do, do oh, I know. Up, where it has, like, laughable. Frosted. Yeah. You know, the worst thing you can eat is an egg cooked in bacon. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> egg cooked in butter. Yep. Excuse yeah. me.
0: Yeah, butter, bacon, um, eggs, ground beef, all of those were at the worst for you at the bottom. And then at the top, it was like frosted flakes. Yeah. The second the best thing for you. No, no, no. Not just, not just a cereal. No, they like, had a brand name.
2: That's right. Yes.
0: Yes. Like, the, here's entire categories that aren't good for you, mm-hmm. but here up at the top, what we recommend you have is like, you know, frosted pebbles or whatever their their crap. Are you still searching it over it's there? It's like, how do they get away with that? They don't get away with it. You know, Joe Rogan did it, you know, talked about it. Jocko talked about it. I talked about it. You know, I, I think there's just this tiny little um, group of lemmings that are going to be eating literally and figuratively whatever gets shoved down their throat. And um, it is... You know, food stamps shouldn't be, food stamps should not be allowed for
1: processed foods. It should only be allowed Amen. in my opinion for like proteins and vegetables
0: and milk and yep. cheese and butters. You know, we have we a, more soldiers healthy. on food stamps than we have had in our entire lifetimes. That's ever, terrible. That's right now, happening right that's now. That's terrible. Awful. Yeah. Inflation is so high. Yeah. Um, you know, the what soldiers get paid, soldiers, airmen, you know, seamen who, 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 I armies. bet there's a
2: pretty easy way for for you to help connect some beef producers in texas to help that problem yeah yeah i, I have you know I, I got a bunch of great no uh, like i would i know a lot of guys that raise a lot of cows that would love to do that like that's to be amazing well I in mean, texas he, like the largest you know.
0: military bases in the united states right. here we have that's more right. soldiers here in texas than anywhere in the united states and um you know they're like they are just fighting to survive right now what, what does the next couple of years look like How is scalable growth? I mean, so
2: we're we, again, right? Our main focus: soil health, right? Improving the overall environment of of where people in Texas produce the food for Texans, right? That comes down to soil. So we provide water testing, soil testing. We're able to help people with, uh, kind of blending some regenerative ag organic soil amendments that we provide and things of that nature with the way that things are run today one of the problems today and i think you can easily attest to this is that people no matter what they believe they're very polarized right they either believe a or b left right up down black white like that's how they think and so we are like look everybody no matter who you are has to have good nutrition, right? No matter how much you make or not, you should be entitled to know what is good for you and what is not good for you. And being able to provide a a wonderful host environment for the commercial production of livestock and agriculture is our number one goal, right? Yeah. The, the deer feed business, right? That was proof of concept, passion play. We enjoy it. Our our, our clients love it. Our customers love it. Our, our It brought us now to the commercial livestock side, right? We, you know, next week or the week after, we will have the, you know, exact same incredibly advantageous feed premix for the horse industry, right? Why? Because as Ross knows, there's more people in Texas that work horses like machines, right? They use them like machines because they're better than any machine you can ask for. And they're unfortunately forced to feed them like garbage, right? They don't get to feed their most valuable asset and family member with four hooves, right what it should be entitled to eating and so helping people with their as we know their pets their horses their livestock are members of the family right if you're a livestock producer they're members of the family even if they're meant for consumption yeah. right and so you take good care of them by providing them with a good host environment we spend our majority of our time now fortunately with Landowners and land producers uh, help and educate them on the ability to move forward with bringing in some regenerative agriculture type of play.
0: We had a uh, some. I'm not going to disparage the the or the state that they came from, but some kids from my son's school they came over for a Sunday afternoon play date, and uh, I smoked some chicken for them, and uh, we have been uh, calling our you know, we have three generations of chickens and the oldest generation has done laying. So they're dying and uh, we're eating them. So the smoking of them and my, my, my kids were just like, you know, like we're having chickens that were walking around here and it was shock first, disgust second, and then curiosity third. They're like, these were your chickens, you know? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I cooked them low and slow. Yeah. <laughs> they're really so good. You know, like I promise oh, yeah. you. And, uh, you know, like they, they, they led, they laid for three years and then they're done laying. Then we ate them you know, and they're so good. And I get my, my next bunch, this, this coming Sunday after church. So it's, uh, th- there's something magical about this life and until somebody tastes it. And I, I mean that both ways when, when, when they taste it, how good the food is. I'm and sure. then
2: the second part is living the life. Yeah. It is so fulfilling. Well, but I can tell you what, as corny as it sounds, you know, the first thing I did this morning after waking up was we had a brand new, beautiful, born heifer calf. It's calving season right now, right? So every one of our registered beef masters gets weighed and tagged the day they're born, right? So first thing I got to do this morning was go out in the pasture and tag a calf and weigh the calf and you know cuddle this adorable little 80 pound calf and congratulate the mama on a good job and and you know hit the icy roads to Austin like it's it's incredible to be able to fold that into your life the the unfortunate truth of people not having the access or the ability it's different if you don't have the interest right if you don't have the interest at all and you've been exposed to it that's fine everybody's entitled to doing what they love and, and things of that nature but you know, everybody should be allowed to understand the enjoyable part of life of being close to your food, close to your land, close to your water, right? Everybody at some point in their life should watch somebody drill a water well yeah, in front right. of them, right, so. right? The people, there's there's this incredible gentleman that lives out where I do. He's been drilling water wells for, for years and years, decades and decades, and and I've been fortunate enough to know him vast majority of my life, and it's fascinating to see his passion for providing water to people, good water, right? If he punches you a well that isn't right, he'll, he'll he'll burn the cash and have to drill you another one if it's not up to his spec. He's truly passionate about it, right? And that's the way that most people that raise livestock that are sold commercially in the United States, that's how they feel about what they're doing, right? And so They spend most of their money on inputs that come from outside the United States. We provide soil inputs that are organic, that are from the United States, right? That in and of itself is an incredible attractant. The ability to help farmers increase their soil health, right, and now bring in a whole another fold of income, right? With, you know, you talked about buzzwords and regenerative agriculture and things of that nature, right? How about carbon credits, Right. I don't know what you know about the carbon market, the carbon cycle. Right. And, and as crazy as it sounds, I was very well versed about it back in school, back in the early, you know, 20 teens. And now it is becoming mainstream in the United States. And it's being done in a way that is not necessarily the most correct. And when I say correct, I mean, it's viable, it's profitable. Right. But it's not really done in a way to promote and provide for the agricultural producers. Yeah. Right. So our goal is to create an approach. And we have done it already. Right. As we are assembling people into our stewardship into well we the canon republic right a place for all like-minded people who are interested in conservation and environmental stewardship and and the management of our resources right so we are able to help these farmers track and prove that they are increasing the soil carbon in their their the car, the soil carbon content in their soils right there that is the truest form of soil or excuse me, of carbon sequestration, right, is the agricultural version by putting it into the soil, not by mechanically scrubbing it out of the air, not by avoiding it by buying A instead of B, right, but rewarding the people that day in and day out put their blood, sweat, and tears into doing things the right way, right? And so, Commercial agriculture in the United States is not the wrong way by any means. I mean, we are at the forefront of evolution and always have been. But for decades, they, no one was even looking at some of the potential negatives that were occurring. And once they started looking, it took them years to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that those negatives were occurring downstream. Think nitrogen le- leaching, think algae blooms and fish kills, right? So then it became more and more and more accepted that people were like, okay, there's some truth to this. There's a source of these problems. And people started thinking, let's try something different, Right. But because of the way the system is built, there's so much protection in commercial producers doing it the way it's always been that people that are willing to take a risk usually end up getting bit for it. And then they don't want to take another risk. Yeah. Right. So instead of an all or nothing mentality like is so common these days. Right. We have really found the best success in, in telling people, you know, give it a try. Right. What do you have to lose about doing a good trial on your own land, on your own soil? Right. We can provide the, the testing and the data to show you what you can't see, you know, with your own eyes. Right. And, and be able to see the progress and track the progress. And now we're having big, huge national corporations that are active in the state of Texas understand the value instead of going out onto a voluntary carbon market and paying money for a carbon credit, they're realizing that in their growth of business, in their business model, they can actually enact more sustainable methods of business and create that value in-house. And that's what he, we're here to help. We're here to help the little guy, the guy with one acre that wants to learn how to do it. But we're also here to enact change on a, on a big scale. And to do that, you've got to make it acceptable to commercial agriculture and commercial livestock production.
0: That's or, our next um, years ahead. Other states? Where are you guys going to next?
2: Um, well, so, I mean, we have sold feed to Mississippi, Louisiana, Florida.
1: South Carolina.
2: South Carolina. Um, And really, we're here to help across the country we started in Texas because that's where our network was. Right. And we have had really good success, um, you know, kind of from where you're from originally on the West coast, because, you know, if there's one thing they're on the cutting edge of, it is the forward thinking towards regenerative agriculture and seeing that if it could be done in a way that still promotes the bottom line, because the big companies, they have to make their money. Right. Um, if we can help little by little, You know that that's how we go but for now i mean anyone that's out there that's interested in pursuing change correctly i mean we're we're here to help
1: and then all the other products the liquid and dry products he was talking about that's multi-state i'm not really sure but we're having fun with you know different farmers of all different types pecan orchards grass farms sod farmers corn farmers i mean every type of thing and we don't need to get into all of that they can you know contact us and see all of our different white sheets and we can explain how we can help you know, even their pastures with manure piles and things
2: like but that. But, for instance, I mean, think think about this drought that we had in Texas this year. Right. And I don't know how many people remember the drought in 2011 and being like, oh, let's not do that again soon. And here we were like almost clockwork almost 10 years later yeah. with even worse. Right. We, uh, we we conducted a trial with a client in Menard County and applied our organic liquid soil amendment he made 199 round bales off of 35 acres
1: on a second cutting
2: on a second cutting and reduced his nitrogen inputs by just under 40%. So not only did he reduce his inputs, right, but he increased his yield. It was very high quality. I mean, he had we had to take, you know, rake wheels off his hay rake to make it rake correctly. I mean, it was unbelievable. Well, and we had such a wonderful time doing it with him and seeing that success. And he was just astounded. And then, you know, you get the neighbors looking over the fence going how even now, granted, it was irrigated. But even in a drought like that, nobody else with irrigation all around him was able to do anything like that. Yeah. Right. And we were able to show the power of microbiology in the soil. Our liquid product has over 40 billion colony forming units per gallon. That's why I just had my kombucha. Yeah, there you yeah. go.
1: Pro-bi- exactly. Yeah. The biology keeps your gut healthy.
2: All right. And so, you know, think about th- what's in that bottle. Right. You know, times four billion, uh, you know, and it's and it's a version made by Mother Nature. Right. There's competition out there that will sell you biological soil amendments and nothing against them. But most of them have been perpetuated in a controlled environment. Right. So they are finding beneficial strains from uh, different places, combining them together into a product that is marketable. Yeah. Right. Ours is sourced from a domestic surface mine, never been heated or compressed. And so you're able to maintain all of that natural biology. And all of that biology has been coexisting for for generations, decades, eons, right? And so that being the case, the competition has all been sorted out, right? It is, by definition, nature's greatest buffer. Yeah. Right. We're able to help people of all types of soil types and we don't just sell it and forget it. We are very adamant about client relations and service and making sure that the customer understands the change that they're getting in their soil. Right.
1: We're having fun. If you can't yeah. tell. A lot. Yeah. of fun. It's
2: just a lot of fun.
1: Giving back to the world. That's that's what we're trying to do.
0: Yeah. yeah. We all. Have, um, it's hard to do these days. It feels, everybody feels so separated and, and disconnected. Um, I think we're closer than ever we've ever been. And I think there's more of an opportunity to to give back than we ever have. You know, it doesn't have to be, obviously I work with a bunch of nonprofits, counter human trafficking to humanitarian aids in Afghanistan, um, save our allies. You know, it, it can be monetarily or it can be just like being a good neighbor. You know, feeding your herds the good yeah. stuff, yeah. taking care of your soil, like taking care of your own land is, is being a good neighbor and giving back. Um, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate uh, your expertise and your passion. It's it's definitely palatable. I can uh, it's there's no there's no hiding how much you love and care about this. So I appreciate you guys. Thank you very much. It, yeah.
2: Thank you very much for your time. So we sure appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate you. And um, I need to get more land, I think. Oh, absolutely well, you know we'd be happy to happy to help you find something, right. but you know at the same time, come out to the ranch sometime come 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 see the cows and the pigs and chickens and we don't I don't have a thousand yard range, but we yeah. can still have some fun all right
0: well, this is the about violence podcast um. Today, we're talking about life and uh, preserving it and protecting it. Obviously, the mission statement for our company is to train and equip people to preserve and protect human life and to provide for their families. And this is a, a pretty in line with all of that. And, uh, you know, tell us what you want to know about. You know, we it's rad living in Austin. There are so many people here uh, from every single race, creed, religion, and um Right. right now, I think we've had a lot of aligned thinkers. You know, I'd love to, to have some debates on here. You down for that, Doug? You know, so if there's people that are not subscribers to This Way of Life, I'd love to hear why. Um, if you think that we're crazy, get in the comments section and tell us about it. Um, I'd, love, I'd love to have some conversations, some healthy discourse um, about uh, what, what you think regenerative farming, regenerative agriculture looks like. And uh, stay safe, stay free. And this is the About Violence podcast.